Thanks for listening to Summit PA Sermon Audio, weekly teaching from the Summit Church in Indiana, Pennsylvania. SummitPA.church, every life made different. You know what? We decided we were going to have some fun this weekend, and we're doing something a little different. We're doing something called Five for Five. So if you've ever been a person that has said, man, I really like preaching, I just wish there wasn't so much of it. If only they would preach for five minutes. I got good news for you. You're going to hear a five-minute message. The bad news is you're going to hear five of them. But I'm really excited, so let me lay the ground rules for you. The ground rules are this. Five people get five minutes each. Do you know how you'll know if it's five minutes or not? Because there's a handy-dandy counter on the screen. It'll be right there on the screen. Um, So you'll see it pop up on the screen, and it will count down. And I don't know, tech team, can you help me with this? If you get to the end of the five minutes, there will be a sound that will sound. Can we hear that? It's lovely. You can't miss it. It sounds like we're backing up, right? Like beep, beep. Um, So that will happen at the end of the five minutes. So these guys know they got to watch their time. So time will begin as soon as they start speaking. And this will just show you that Pastor Dick's frame of reference, uh, frame of mind. He asked me tonight, he said, so I could stand up there and wait a few minutes before I start speaking. And I said, well, if you felt like it. And he said, okay. So he's just going to gather his thoughts and get prepped and like stretch a little bit. I don't know what he was going to do. So time will start as soon as they begin speaking. And then when time elapses, the next person's going to come up right up on stage. But this is what I need you to do tonight. Um, for, for Steph McCoy, this is the first time she's preached here at Summit Church. And so we want to encourage not just her, but also Pastor Ricky. This is his first time to bring the word on this stage. And so we want to encourage these guys. But you know what? Uh, Pastor Dick and Kim and, and even myself, we would love for you to uh, be involved in what we're saying as well. So we like feedback. So as we're preaching, if you want to get a little uh, Pentecostal and throw out an amen, that's okay. I know some of you are raised Presbyterian or Lutheran or, or Catholic, and you're, you know, I don't know about that. It's okay. Just, it's a one-time deal. Just try it. You'll like it, okay? So encourage them. There you go, Ricky. Thank you. And then the last thing, I'm not saying this for me, but when we finish, at the end of the five minutes, when a speaker is done and they're going off the stage, I want you to give them the biggest round of applause they've ever heard in their life. I want you to let them know that they did a great job. Does everybody understand the ground rules? So tonight, um, we're going to talk about our four core values, and then I'm going to be talking about every life made different. Every life made different is our, see the countdown started in the back, but it hasn't started up here, so it doesn't really count yet. Every life made different is our vision statement here at Summit Church. Uh, It is what we're all about. It's why we exist. You typically hear us say it every Sunday morning uh, or Saturday night when we're talking, And, and Every life made different is not just about being different. It's about being different through the power of God. There's a passage of scripture in Matthew 28, verse 18. Jesus was ascending to heaven, and he said, and it says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So this is what he says, all authority. If you were playing a basketball game and the referee called a foul on you, you could argue with the ref, but he's got the authority in that place, right? If you went home and the ref followed you home and he walked into your house and said, Hey, you can't raise your kid that way, you would say, you shut up. You don't have any authority here, right? We're not on a basketball court. Who, who do you think you are? So there's limited authority. We understand limited authority, but what Jesus says is all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. 
He said, every authority that you can imagine, I have. And he said, it's been given to me. Now listen to this. And he says, because of that, go therefore, make disciples of all nations. He says, because I have all authority, I'm giving you all authority to go and make disciples of all nations. Now the word all there means individual and collective. So it doesn't just mean every country through the world. It means every single individual in the world. It doesn't just mean every person in Indiana County. It means collectively all the people of Indiana County. We're out for every single person. Every single person matters to God. So every single person matters to us. There's 47,000 lost people in Indiana County, according to the last Census Bureau data. And because of that, we have a big job to do. We're going to keep going until that number is zero. We're going to keep pushing and proclaiming the gospel and telling people about the love of Jesus until that number is zero. And it says, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. That word baptize there, it's got two meanings. The word baptizo, or baptizo and then bapto. And it can be used different ways, but let me explain this to you. There was a Greek poet and physician who had written out a... It was, a, it was a recipe. It was a recipe for pickles. It was 200 B.C. And he wrote, writes this recipe out. And he said, the first thing you do is take your vegetables and you rinse the vegetables. You cleanse them with water. And then you baptize them with vinegar. And what he's saying is you cleanse by dipping, bapto the vegetables, but then you baptizo them in vinegar. So what he's saying is you clean them, but cleaning is just temporary. But he says when you baptize them, it's a permanent change to what it is. See, once it's been, um, once it's been overwhelmed, which is what this word literally means, when it's been overwhelmed with vinegar, it can never go back to the way it was. And so what we're interested in doing is not just cleaning someone up, but we're interested in seeing them made different, fundamentally changing who they are. And we can't do that. I can't do that. My preaching can't do that. Uh, worship can't do that. Just good songs won't. But do you know what does? The Spirit of God. When the Spirit of God overwhelms someone, if I can say it like that, you know what happens? They're fundamentally changed. Have you ever met someone that you hadn't seen in a while, and you found out they were going to church, and you just knew something was different about them, and you found out they were going to church, and their lives been made different? You're like, oh, I get it now. It's because the Spirit of God overwhelmed them. So when we say every life made different, what we're really talking about is seeing the Spirit of God overwhelm us and changing us into something that we're not. And this doesn't just mean people who are lost and become saved, but it's people who are at any point along their journey. We want them to be made different because maybe you were saved out of the womb. Maybe you were, you were carrying a Bible when you were born. That's great, but guess what? We want you to grow in your faith. God's not done with you yet. If you have breath in your lungs, you have purpose for your life. You're not done yet because God's not through with you. This is what it says in 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. This word new is used twice here. It means kainos. It means of a new kind, unprecedented, novel, uncommon, unheard of. And what it basically means is you're not a cleaned up version of what you were. You're totally different. If you've been eating ham sandwiches for a week and you put a piece of cheese on there, it's not new. It's just a different ham sandwich. But if you get a top sirloin, a 24-ounce porterhouse, that's new. Am I speaking anybody's language? This is what I'm talking about. This is you in Christ. You are made different. You're not just a ham sandwich dressed up. You're a porterhouse. Jesus says, and behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. We are not doing this on our own. He's empowering us in his spirit and his authority, and then he is going with us. That is why we exist as a church, is to see every life made different by the authority of Jesus Christ. Can somebody say amen? 
Oh, goodness. I am so excited to talk to you guys about creative evangelism today. I don't know about you, but when I first hear the word evangelism, it has a, a negative connotation that comes to mind. I think of someone on the street corner yelling turn or burn or yelling scripture, or I think of people knocking on doors and giving out Bible tracts. And um, speaking of Bible tracts, can we show this picture on the screen? This is a fake $20 bill that serves as a Bible tract. So you hand someone a fake $20 bill, and you expect them to respond for salvation with Jesus. Can you tell me whose idea it would be to lie to someone and in turn try to get them to Jesus? I think it's stupid and ridiculous, but that's not what we're all about. Um, but evangelism at its core is the spreading of the gospel. And um, when we say creative, we don't necessarily mean that it has to be flashy or have an all factor or, or, or lights and all that stuff. But we mean creative means different or unique. And so whenever we create something, we are expressing. And so when we say um, that we, through creative evangelism, we want to express the love of God. Um, and so expression is done in the context of relationships. Um, it's not just done verbally, but it's done through serving. And the one thing that I want you to remember is that serving um, gives opportunity for relationship, and relationship gives opportunity for the gospel to be transmitted. Um, so we can see this through the life of Jesus um, and how he taught his disciples how to serve. In Matthew 20, um, Jesus is talking with the disciples after the mother of two of his disciples, James and John, had, had asked Jesus, Jesus, I want my sons to sit next to you in the kingdom of heaven. He's like, lady, you don't know what you're asking. Um, and, and he just, and the disciples, the other disciples hear about this, and they're furious that she even asked this question. So they're freaking out, and Jesus says, let me, let me calm you guys down. Let's talk for a minute. And he says, you know, among you, among you, my followers, it will be different. Um, he says, for even the Son of Man came not to, ser not to be served, but to serve others. In Philippians 2, 5, 7, it says, Jesus did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. So we he see here that the Son of God, the Son of the creator of the universe, um, he had all authority to have people serve him. But he emptied himself and took the form of a servant in order to serve others. And I just love that because even um, before Jesus revealed his identity as Messiah, when he came to earth, born as a baby, he was serving us. Even before, or, or excuse me, while he, was, while he was on the cross, when he laid his life down, he was serving us. And so how much more should we be serving others, right? Um, and if we profess to be a Christian, this shows us in the scripture, if we profess to be a Christian, we are never more like Jesus than when we are serving. Um, so what do we have to do? We have to give ourselves away. We have to take up our cross daily, like scripture says. And so if you're asking, how do I do that? What does that look like for me? Uh, I just want to encourage you, start with the people around you. Start with where you're at. Ask God, God, how would you have me serve my family or my spouse? And um, I just, I think that, you know, how would you have me serve, serve my church body? And I think that reach would be a great idea for that, right? Um, but Matthew 10, 42 says, And if you even give a cup of cold water to one of my least of my followers, you will surely be rewarded. And I love that there is a correlation between serving, and there's a correlation, correlation between serving and a cup of cold water. Here it is. They both fulfill a need, they both refresh us, and they both aid in providing life. I don't know about you guys, but when I serve, um, when I serve, I come alive. And so um, also when I serve, it refreshes me. And when I serve, we meet needs. And so together we can do that. Um, here at the Summit, we do things that are very practical, such as starlit night, egg hunts, feeding a local police, teacher appreciation, 
We do these things because we're meeting the people right where they're at. Um, we, want, we want to meet them where they are and to serve them. Um, with creative evangelism, we say, to reach people no one is reaching, we have to do the things that no one is doing. And so that's what we're committed to. But we, we know that when we serve them without an agenda, in turn, that opens, opens the door for relationship. And so then we can do things inside the church doors where they'll want to come because we've provided the opportunity for relationship, and in turn, the gospel can be transmitted. So our God is the ultimate creator, right? But he's also the ultimate servant. And I believe that serving always wins. And David Platt is an author and pastor, and I want to read a quote to you from him. He says, I realize there's never going to be a day when I stand before God and he looks at me and says, I wish you would have kept more for yourself. The way we show and express um, creative evangelism is to serve. And so that's what we want for you, and that's what we want for our church. And that's what creative evangelism is all about. Well, we're talking about our core values tonight. And um, I want to just address that issue just for a second before I talk about radical generosity. You know, uh, core values are the part of us that directs our lives. We, the, the, what we feel is true and what, what has life on the inside of us. Core values energize us uh, to be on the outside who we are on the inside, who God created us to be. They empower us to demonstrate the life of Jesus Christ outwardly. God, as well as people, make demands on the core values of our life. And out of our value system, we react. That's what we see throughout the Bible. Mainly, that God is asking us or making a demand on our value system. And I want to talk momentarily about radical generosity. Um, I I have some scripture here in Genesis chapter 35 and 36. Uh, Just a, a background, Moses had just brought the children of Israel out of Egypt, and they're out in the wilderness, and uh, Moses has just laid out the whole process for uh, uh, building the temple, for uh, providing the, the uh, garments for the priests and, and, and to worship God. And, and here he is, uh, they're up against uh, 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 not knowing exactly where they're going to come up with all of the materials in order to be able to build the temple and to do everything that God uh, asked them to do. So Moses approached the children of Israel about them giving of themselves. And so in starting, I want to read a couple verses uh, here in, in chapter 35, verse 21 and 22. Everyone whose heart stirred him And everyone whose spirit moved him came and brought the Lord's contribution for the work of the tent of meeting and for all its service and for the holy garments. Then all those whose hearts moved them, both men and women, came and brought brooches, earrings, signet rings, bracelets, all articles of gold, so that every man 
who presented an offering of gold to the Lord. So there was something that happened on the inside of them when Moses presented the need. They needed to build the tabernacle to worship God. I can't help but think we were in the same thing just a little over a year ago, and 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 God privileged us to be able to come and, and lay out the need. And God moved in the hearts of the people of this church, and we have a brand new facility right behind us in order to reach out and touch the children and the youth of our community and to help them to become what God created them to be. In verse 29 of chapter uh, 35, uh, it says there, the Israelites, all the men, women, whose hearts moved them to bring material for all of the work which the Lord had commanded through Moses to be brought uh, a free... Is that all? Okay. And uh, so, you know, they, they were moved in their heart to do what God had asked them to do. The interesting thing to me, and if you read in 5 and 6 in chapter 36, uh, it says there that the Moses and the priest finally had to come to a place where they said, listen, there is so much stuff to build the temple and to do the work that we have necessary to do right now. I'm asking you to hold back. And, and, and so radical generosity means that we pour out everything that we are. Some of them had great talent. Some of them gave everything that they had in order to be able to see the kingdom of God brought to pass. Radical generosity. Thank you. Hello, Summit family. Um, I, before I start, I just want to say um, thank you to Pastor Mel and Miss Kim. Um, I honor you guys in this house. Um, thank you for the opportunity. I appreciate it a lot. This means so much to me. Also to the Summit family, thank you guys for allowing us to be here, me and my wife and our family. Um, you guys have opened up your arms um, so much to us, and we really appreciate that. But um, let me get started before my time goes out. Um, big faith, that's what I'm talking about, one of our core values. Um, it says this, it says, God does big things and asks us to believe in big ways. We'll never insult him with small things in, self, in, in safe living. Number one, God, listen, God calls us to take risks. I should know all about taking risks, me and my family. We know about taking big risks. Um, our move here from Florida, it was a big risk. Um, my family and, and I, we... we um, we knew that the, this was a big change for, for us as a whole. Um, I remember the phone call with Pastor Mel, um, clear as day. I was working for my father-in-law at, at, at a tow, tow, towing yard, and, and I remember on the, being on the phone with him for an hour, and I still have flashbacks of that because no man should be on the phone for an hour with another man. But it was definitely something that God was up to something because Pastor Mel was sharing his heart, sharing his vision for this house. And, you know, I went home that night and I began to talk with my wife and, and, and I told her that I was on the phone with a pastor from Indiana, PA. 
And then after talking to Pastor Mel, I remember um, going out on the visit here, me and my family and my, my little three-year-old, she was excited because it was her first time she wanted to see snow, but she was in the back seat. And Pastor Mel said the favorite words was ice cream. Her eyes lit up and she woke up. So I remember just taking that drive from the airport here and me and my wife just looking out the window and I'm talking to Pastor Mel. We're just taking in all of the scenery. And when we got here to this church, um, you guys opened up your arms. It, it felt so real, and it was so it was so genuine what you guys were um, ex, um, sharing with us and just loving on us. Um, before we had to make this transition, we knew that we had to hear from God. We knew we had to hear from God. Um, not only would this be our our transition and our next step with, with our walk with Christ and our ministry, um, we actually had to hear from him. We had to hear, we had to hear from him in a mighty way. You know, it's just like, it's just like in scripture when you, when, when you, I think about Peter when he was in the boat and, and God called him out, out of his comfort zone. You know, he could have stayed in that comfort zone where, 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 where he was safe and the storms were brewing up, but God called him out of that comfort zone for him to take a leap of faith. And that's what God did with us. Because I knew this was a big faith for us, for us to continue to believe in our ministry, to continue to go after God and to, um, to continue to seek him. And when we stepped out of that comfort zone, when I, when I told my wife, I said, I said, I said, we're gonna be moving to Indiana, PA. She looked at me and said, oh, are you serious? I was like, yeah. We are. So it reminds me of scripture in Matthew 14, 25. I'm going to read through this real quick. It says, shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on a lake. When the disciples saw him walking on a lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come out on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked to the water, and came towards Jesus. But when Jesus, but, but when he saw the winds and he was afraid, he was beginning to sink and cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith. You of little faith, he said. Why do you doubt? We have to trust and have big faith. Even in our time, even in this move, I knew that the, tug, that the tug of God was real in our lives. I was asking my wife to do something that she, she was so comfortable with, which, which was to leave Florida, to, be, um, to, to, to leave her family and come up here and trust God. I know in times when there's doubt and the enemy was trying to stir us up, it was, it, it was, it was, it was doubt that we had to, even in our doubt, we had to continue to believe in big faith, our core value. Big faith. Well, in order for every life to be made different, we value these four things. We reach people through creative evangelism. We practice big faith, and we live out 
radical generosity, and I want to talk to you about healthy relationships because without healthy relationships, we can't do any of the previous three things um, well at all. So the first thing is, is we have to love God with all that we are. Matthew 26, 36 through 38 says, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all of your mind. This is the great and first commandment. So without a healthy relationship with God himself, we can't do any other things effectively. It's out of our relationship with him that everything else flows from. Before we try to evangelize our city and our nation, we have to allow God to change us. Before we can take big steps of faith and risk, we have to remember the risk and faith he exhibited in laying down his life for us. Before we can be radically generous to others, we have to recognize the generosity that he has shown towards us. And before loving ourselves and others well, we have to love God well, and we have to experience his love for us. In Luke 10, 38 through 42, we see um, Jesus coming to Martha's house, and Martha is all frantic. She is making sure everything is perfect, everything is clean, the meal is ready. She's super, super busy, and um, she wants everything in order. But the minute Jesus walks in the house, her sister Mary stops what she's doing, and she goes to the feet of Jesus because she wants to absorb everything that he is saying and wants to hear what he is teaching. And Martha gets so frustrated with Mary because she thinks, oh, man, Mary, what are you doing? We still have a meal to cook. We still have a house to clean. And here you are just sitting there. She totally thought she was just being lazy. But G and and Mary and Martha even said, hey, Jesus, tell her to help me. Like, come on now. Um, But Jesus answers her and says, Martha, Martha. And he does that not in a reprimanding way, but in an endearing way. Like, Martha, I see that you're serving, and you're doing exactly what I've called you to do, but you're so worked up over it. But see, Mary has it right. She is coming to sit at my feet, and serving is good, but Mary knows that she has to be with me, the ultimate teacher, because it's out of my teaching and out of being with me that she's learning how to serve and love others well. And so she has to take time to sit at my feet to experience relationship with me. We've got to stop doing things for Jesus and start doing things with him because it's out of our being that everything flows. We have to love others just like Jesus loved us. Matthew twenty-two thirty-nine. he follows it up with, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So it's no coincidence that the first commandment is love the, your Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And the second commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself because Jesus knew that in order for us to love one another well, we have to love ourselves well. And the only way we can love ourselves well if we know what our Father says about us. And we have to love God well so that he can extend his love to us. It's in our loving Jesus and God the Father that we are transformed and we are able to love others in a way that we wouldn't normally be able to love on our own. Because loving is hard sometimes. It is hard to love the unlovable. And if you find it impossible to love someone, then I will tell you, if you will just 
Spend time at the feet of Jesus. He will teach you how to love them well. When looking at the people around you, I believe your meter for loving them well is asking yourself this question. Out of my love for them, am I motivating them to move towards Jesus? Are, you, are people better by being around you? Do you struggle with having healthy relationships and friendships? You have to be the friend that you want to have. Also, we want you to check your drama at the door. We believe God wants this house to be a safe place, a drama-free zone, and one where we lay down our preferences at the door and come with one purpose, to worship God and to make his name great. It doesn't mean that we all have to agree, but we have to agree to disagree and continue to love well. Resolve conflict biblically, and you can find that in Matthew 18. But follow these principles. And tonight, I just... As we close out, I just want you to all bow your heads. I don't want anyone looking around here in this room. And I know you've heard a lot tonight, and it's a lot to process. But I I do want to make sure that we take this moment just to reflect on some of the things that we heard. And I want to address those of you in the room that you say, Kim, when you said that we have to love God, well, I I haven't been pursuing him. I I haven't been sitting at his feet. I don't even have a relationship. I have trouble loving others well because I'm not in right relationship with Jesus. And maybe you're here in this room and you know that that's true about you and that you long to experience God's love for you and you long to experience his goodness and his forgiveness in your life. And so if you're here tonight and you say, Kim, I want to choose to come into right relationship with Jesus. I want to choose him tonight. I want to experience his love with no one looking around. If you would just raise your hand. If you're saying tonight, Kim, I want to come into right relationship with Jesus. Is there anyone here tonight? Well, how many of you would say, Kim, I need to sit more at the feet of Jesus. I need to learn more about him, and I need to love others. Well, how many of you would just raise your hand and say, I need to do that more. I need to quit working so much for him and instead work with him. Yeah, there's a bunch of you. Let's just pray together. God, I just thank you for tonight. God, I thank you for this church and these people, God, I thank you for, Lord, just the, just what you have brought here tonight through all of these pastors, God. And I just pray, Lord, that in these next few minutes, God, that as we worship you, God, that we would truly ask, we would truly ask you, God, what is your heart for us? What is your heart towards us, Lord? What what do we need to, what, what step of big faith do we need to take? What step of generosity do we need to move towards? How can we serve those around us, Lord? And I just pray that, that right now, Lord, that as we sit at your feet during these few minutes of worship, as we soak in everything that you have for us, Lord, I just pray that we would not leave here the same. And that when we walk out of these doors, that we 
would be made different and we would be a light to our community and to our world. Lord, we want to represent you well. We want to bring glory to your name. Because it's not about us, God. It's all about you. In Jesus' name.